right. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Good, good. Wow. Man, good job, Ben. You managed to preach, spend money, and make fun of me all in one little bit of uh, time on stage here. You can tell when the pastors give the announcements because we just don't shut up. We just, let's just keep talking. Um, I want to just say really quick thank you to everyone who um, helped make Pastor Luis's memorial service yesterday such a huge success. Um, if you if you gave, uh, whether it was money or you gave food uh, to our band that came early on a Saturday, to those that served before and after and helped set up, it was a lot of people. And um, I know Miss Ileana and the family were certainly blessed. I was blessed by it. And I think we all were. It was so good. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome when when we get to have church twice in one weekend, which is really what's happening. We had church yesterday, and we're having church today. Praise God for that. We are continuing in our discussion this morning on this series, What in the World Happened? And I'm so grateful Ben stopped talking when he did because he was about to preach my Christmas Eve service. Like, shut up, man. Like, save something for Friday. I'm working hard on that. Um, But... um, you know, my hope and my prayer during, during these last few weeks and, and going into Friday night is that we do have, regain a sense of awe and wonder over what really happened on that first Christmas. And, you know, Ben mentioned it before, we, it, it, we say it every year that we want to, you know, rediscover that miracle and that truth. And it's the reason we have to rediscover is because throughout the year we lose it. Right? We lose that wonder and we lose that awe of what really happened. And then, the, and then, you know, before Thanksgiving, now I don't know about y'all, but in my house, before Thanksgiving, we start doing Christmas. And, and before you know it, the calendar is filled up. Uh, the, the, the Christmas lifts grow, right? And, and, and just stresses happen. And before we know it, we've, we have forgotten what we're really doing here and what really happened on that night. So I, I hope and I pray that you've enjoyed it and we're going to continue on today and it's all going to culminate on Friday night, the big crescendo. It's going to be amazing. And uh, we are having church on Friday night, y'all. We're having church. It's going to be awesome. The gospel will be preached and in Jesus name, lives will be saved. Hallelujah. Um, something that the narrative that we've been talking about in these last few weeks is that, that, that juxtaposition, but that also combination of humility and power that is found in the birth of Jesus. And it's in both of those things and it's equal parts. It's not one or the other, but it's, but it's both. And it's been amazing to see. And today, uh, what we're going to be talking about, I think we're going to see a little more of the power, or at least that's what we're going to talk about is the power of the birth of Jesus. And we're going to see it that power through the eyes of those that we're talking about today. And we're talking about the wise men, but we're also talking about this antagonist, right? We're talking about King Herod, all right? And so we're going to look at this story uh, through the eyes of both of those figures and really discuss Jesus in all of that. And it's going to be really good. So let's turn with me in your Bible, if you have it, to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1 this morning. And it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. Okay, so Jesus is born, y'all, under this tyrannical rule of King Herod. And here's what we need to know about King Herod. Uh, one commentary reads this. He was a, uh, was a man who was ruthless and he was a paranoid tyrant. He would easily kill his own sons or his, one of his wives or the high priests if he thought any of these were in any way conspiring against him. Okay, so Herod is a bad dude, all right? And if you've ever watched any movie, and I'm not going to reference any, but if you've ever watched a movie where there is a villain, and you, as you're watching it, are legit, like, scared of this guy, 
Right, I'm not talking about like, you know, Doc Ock or something like that, or like, you know, whatever. I'm talking about serious like villains when you're watching, like that guy gives me the creeps, or this is, this is too much. That's what Herod was like. He was a bad, bad dude. But here's what we need to understand, y'all. God's timing is perfect in everything. And there's always a message in what he is doing within his timing. And I believe what God is doing here, having King Herod be on the throne when Jesus is born, is he's telling us, look, I ain't afraid of no bullies. Okay, to the point where I'm going to send Jesus as a baby into the world under this guy's rule. The same king who would kill his own sons or one of his wives or a high priest, that's when I'm going to send Jesus because I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of this guy. And I want to say this really quickly. This is a little offhanded, but I want to say this to the parents in the room, especially those of young kids. Do not be fearful over the time that your child was brought into the world. Do not be afraid. Don't look at the world around you and think, what, what, what is going to happen to my kids in this world? Because if Jesus was born in a time where this king was on the throne and was safe in it, your children will be too. Okay? So don't walk in fear over it, parents. I know there's some of us in here that have been. You've been looking at the world and you've been seeing what's going on and, the, and, and really, my goodness, the access that they have to things, things that they're not even looking for. And you're saying, what in the world is going to happen with my children? Listen, God's got them. All right? Don't walk in fear. Pray over them. Right? Bring them to Jesus all the time, but don't walk in fear over them. Because God didn't. If he had looked at this word and said, you know what, maybe now's not a good time, I'll wait. No, he didn't do that. He said, now's the time. Because I said so. And I'm not afraid of any bullies. Amen? Amen. Okay. So it's about this time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. So here are these wise men. Here's what we need to know about the wise men, all right? They were famous for their learning and for their wisdom. They were very interested in astronomy and astrology. When they observed the movements of stars and planets, they carefully recorded everything they saw. Anything out of the ordinary was taken by them, by some, uh, was, was taken by them to be some kind of omen. Now they had seen a star they could not, that could not be identified. So they see this star in the sky like, where did that come from? Well, what is that? And so they begin to study it, all right? And they begin to, most importantly, follow it. And so these wise men were like, if you've ever watched any Western, you know, they're the strangers that come moseying into town, right? And everyone kind of stops and looks at them like, what are they doing here? You know, they're, they, in other words, when they arrive on the scene, people notice, right? They're not just there by happenstance or by, you know, by accident. They have come to this place, to Jerusalem, on purpose. And so as they are there, they bring with them a certain clout, right? They, they have a reputation. They are smart. They are learned. And they, they, they are there for a very specific reason, and it gets Herod's attention. Okay, so that is what happens. And what we see is as they come into town, they do so by immediately giving Jesus. And this is the point of the whole message today, y'all. Listen up. They come and they immediately give Jesus authority. All right, they are announcing that this baby Jesus has authority and they do so in their opening statement by calling him king, by announcing their intent, which is to worship him, and by, check this out, y'all, saying that he owns the stars in the sky. 
Listen to the words that it says here. It says, we saw his star as it rose. Do you ever catch that? They are announcing to the king that this baby owns the stars. That is authority right there. I don't own a star, do you? All right? The king doesn't own a star. The wise men don't. The angels don't. The disciples didn't. Only Jesus. Why? Because he's God. And because he created the stars. So of course they are his. And so as they come in, they're saying, we're looking to see the baby who owns the stars. Come on with it, y'all. That is authority. Are y'all awake this morning? Are you in here with me? That is an awesome thing. And so they come announcing that Jesus, with full authority, owns the stars. The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Y'all, he's the creator of it all. He owns everything. And in this moment, when Jesus as a baby, all right, you think about this. He's just a baby. A little eight pounds, six pounds, baby Jesus, right? He's just a baby. And he owns the stars. That is power. And it's power from the word go. He has it immediately. As a baby, Jesus has it. So they give him authority by, by saying he owns the stars. Also by what I said earlier, they announce their intent and that is to worship him. They are there to worship the king. It reminds me of Psalms 95, 6 through 7, which says, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. They are doing what the psalmist says to do. All right. The Lord is here. God is here. He is now on earth in the world. And so our response is to do what it says in Psalms. We are going to bow and we are going to worship him. Not just as king, because a king you bow to, right? But to worship, that's idolatry. But they are worshiping Jesus because he is divine. You worship what is divine. And what is divine is full authority. Do we see this? Listen, y'all, the reason I want to talk about this this morning is because I know that there's a lot of fear in the room. I know this time of year brings a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety and a lot of all sorts of emotions. And what we need to understand is from the very, very, very beginning, as Jesus came out of Mary's womb, authority came onto this earth. And we worship him and we understand his authority so that we don't have to be afraid. And it happened right from the beginning. Come on, y'all. He's got it. It says in verse 3, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. You know why? Why was he disturbed? Because evil was now threatened. Because authority was on the scene. Jesus is saying, if he could, he can't talk, he's a baby. But if he could, you know what he'd say? I'm the captain now. All right? Authority is on the scene. I am here. And when that happens, y'all, evil is disturbed. Evil's disturbed. When we worship, when we gather on Sundays, evil is disturbed. When you invite Jesus into your home and you pray over your house and you pray over your kids and you pray over your marriage, evil is disturbed. 
because we're praying with, under the authority of God. Okay? And so as, th- think about the absurdity of this in, in, in reality, okay? We have a king who's got an army who kills people at whatever whim he wants, and there's a baby, and the king's the one that's disturbed. We get that backwards. And forgive us, Lord, when we do. Forgive us when we do, when we get disturbed by evil on the scene. And we allow evil to reign. Meanwhile, we have the full authority under Jesus to make evil be disturbed. It's time to start taking ownership of it in your homes, over your marriages, over your children, to pray with authority. Pray with authority. Are you doing it? Keep doing it because it's disturbing evil. And I like that. So as he called, verse 4, he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. I wanna, we're we're going to put a pin in this verse 4. I'm going to go back to it um, in a little while. But here's the thing. King Herod, in, the, in truth, is not scared of a baby. He's scared of what the prophet said. He's scared of a ruler. Because that's what Jesus was when he was born. He was the ruler. And Herod didn't want to be ruled by anyone but himself. And so as these, as these leading priests and these teachers say that, this is what disturbs Herod, this is what caused him. There's someone that is now going to rule over the evil that he has. Think about this for a second. God as a baby, God as Jesus as a baby, was more powerful than any grown man, king, or army. As a baby. As a baby, he was more powerful. So I want you all to remember that. Put that in your memory bank. Put that in your heart. Write that in your notes. Whatever you have to do the next time that you're afraid of something. The next time that you're, that you're walking in fear, say, wait a second. Jesus made the enemy quake when he was just a baby. All right? Before he was saying his first words, why am I afraid now? Why am I afraid now? Please, y'all, remember that. Jesus declares his authority. The apostle Paul declares his authority. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, he says, he came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And Paul doubles down on it in Philippians 2 and says this in verse 9, therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor, talking about Jesus, and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. And listen, y'all, and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. The wise men did it. They got to jump on it. We do it now. But there's going to come a time when people don't have a choice. All right? When the Herods of the world and the enemy doesn't have a choice. Because we see the authority here as Jesus as a baby, but we're really going to see the authority when he comes back again on that horse with his sword coming out of his mouth and righteousness tattooed on him. And that is when every, it's just, it's going to happen. 
Because the authority is going to be here and it's going to be over and his glory is going to be announced. And the only reaction that everyone can have is to bow at the authority of Jesus Christ. That began all the way back when he was just a baby. The second that Jesus was born, the second that he was born, he was God. He didn't grow into it. He was God. He was conceived through the Holy Spirit. And so that means he always has, always will have full authority. It's never, ever questioned. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Verse 7, Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me, so that I can go and worship him too. All right, here we go. This is it, right? The first, first plot to kill Jesus. Right here. A king, I mean, and listen, it's absurd, isn't it? If you really just take a step back and look at this uh, for face value, from an earthly perspective, if, if, if nothing else declares the authority and, and the divinity of Jesus, this does. Why in the world would this king be afraid of a baby except that he was the son of God? It doesn't make any sense, y'all. It's laughable. It's, it's really stupid. I mean, it really is. Like, are you serious? Like, when was the last time you walked, like, into a nursery? Ah! I'm afraid. I mean, especially just one baby, right? I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm scared of my kids, okay? Of full disclosure. But, like, not that scared. Not scared like that, you know? But, yeah, I'm scared of them. But, like, as a, you know, I'm not worried they're going to, like, take over my job or anything. I'm just scared that they're going to, you know, take all my money. <laughs> But the joke's on them because I don't have any. Ha! <laughs> mm. <laughs> but this is, this is the first plot. You know, we think the plot to kill Jesus happens when he's an adult and, you know, and it's the Pharisees trying to nail him to the cross, but really it's been going the whole time. Can you, can you imagine that, by the way? Can we just appreciate the life of Jesus for a second and understand that from the moment he was born there was people trying to kill him? Like, how, how much does he love us? That he would endure that. That he would endure that existence. And so, yes, when we sing songs like, you are good and you're never going to let me down, we can sing those in truth because we see it. We see the evidence of his love from the word go. That there were people trying to kill him, kings trying to kill him when he was just a baby. Man, he endured some hardship for us. Thank you, Father. And it says, after this interview, the wise men went their way. This is verse 9. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem and went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Amazing, right? The star is moving, guiding them. And then when they get there, it stops. And the reason that it stops is because God is in control and he's created the stars. And so he can tell it to go and he can tell it to stop. And that's what he does here. Because God is powerful. God is awesome. He splits the sea. He creates 
clouds and fires. He commands fire to come down from heaven and light altars. And yes, he tells a star when to go and he tells a star when to stop. And you know what this star says? Whatever you say. Because you created me. If you're taking notes this morning, write in your notes that God is powerful. He's a powerful God. And if, and if I have one thing on my heart for this church, especially those of us that have been here for a while, but really for all of us, it's to get back to that place of reverence for God as a powerful and a holy God. He is not small. All right? And he's not, he's not afraid in heaven of what's going on in this world. He's not trying to figure it out. All right? He has a plan. And he is righteous, and he is holy, and he is true. And he sits on the throne of heaven, and he tells stars what to do, and they do it. Because he is powerful. And he is awesome, y'all. And he is to be celebrated. He is to be exalted. He is to be worshipped because he is worthy. Because he is a holy and awesome God. And he is powerful. So let's not glance over this little bit of this story. Like it's, it's just every day that this happens where a star is moving and then a star, star stops. They don't unless God tells them to because he has power and he has all authority over everything. Are y'all hearing that this morning? Do you understand that that is true in your life this morning? Do you understand that it is true with everything that you're walking through, the storms that you're walking through, the difficulties and whatever you are facing? God has authority. I came in tired this morning. Not anymore. I feel like preaching. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. And I just, I love this. I love this response. The star stops. They've reached their destination. They have found the king of the Jews who is to be worshipped. And what do they do? They're filled with joy. They're filled with joy because why? They're about to go in to the house of God. They're about to go into the house of God. Listen, y'all, I, I challenge myself in this and I want to challenge all of us. That when we come to church on Sundays, I know it's hard for a lot of us. There's a lot of stuff that happened through your week. You're tired. You're weary. Maybe it was just a matter of getting your kids out of bed and dressed and here on time. Praise, praise Jesus. Parents for doing that. My wife does it by herself every single week. She is a saint. But when we get, when, as we get out of the car, this is what I want you to start thinking. One, I made it. All right? Seriously, I made it. I got here. I say all the time, the hardest part about going to church is going to church. It's just getting here. But as you get out of the car and you walk to the doors, I want you to ask, just, just remind yourself, I'm about to go into the house of the Lord. Yes. And let's fill our hearts with joy and expectancy for what God is going to do. And let's try our best to not just come crawling in, oh, I made it, and wait for maybe the third song, I'm going to be awake. But before we get in, let's say, God, thank you for getting me here. Thank you that I get to come into the house of the Lord. Let joy fill your hearts for what he is going to do. Thank you, Jesus. And they were filled with joy. And it says in verse 11, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. None of this 
is a response that you would give a, a baby. All of this is the response you would give a king. An anointed, divine, son of God king. You know, the custom back then was when you, when you approached someone of royalty, you brought gifts, you prepared them. And so we, what we learn from these wise men is from before they even left, before they set on their journey, when they were packing up, they were prepared to meet royalty. They had the gifts with them. And so their response, as in the culture of the day, was, well, here's this baby who is a king, who is royalty, who is divine, so I must give him something. So they give him gold and frankincense and myrrh and lay it at Jesus' feet as an offering to him. Does Jesus need it? No, of course not. But that is their gift. That is their offering to him. And it's like what, what Ben was even saying earlier in worship. It's like that, you know, we don't have a lot, but what we offer, it's, it's our gold and frankincense and myrrh. God doesn't, he's rich, right? He doesn't need those things, but it's our gift to him. Because we honor him as king. We worship him because he is divine and he has all authority and he's worthy. So we bring our worship. We bring our tithes. We bring our offerings to Jesus and we lay him at his feet and we say, here, here's my gift to you, my king and my Lord. And I worship you with it. Is it gold and frankincense and myrrh? No. It's our own version of those things. And for some of us, we can give more than others. It doesn't matter because the truth is God doesn't need any of it. But, he, but our, our response to him is to give. And the great thing is, even when he doesn't need it, he keeps it. Some of us are going to get some things on Saturday. Not only do we not need it, but we don't want it, right? Because <laughs> this is how... <laughs> Sorry, Lance. <laughs> that hit a little close to home. <laughs> And so what do we do? We open it, and this, this, is, this is our house, right? Oh, thank you. And our voices go up like an octave, right? All of a sudden, we're like singing soprano. I said, oh, that's so good. Yeah. And then later on, it's like, oh, it doesn't fit. And we somehow are able to get the receipt you know, or where did you, yeah, okay, yeah, just in conversation, yeah, just curious, right? right? <laughs> and we return the gift that we don't want or need, right? So that we can get something else that we actually want and we'll use. Praise God that he doesn't do that. Right. Oh, $17 in the time box. It's great. <laughs> like, Jesus, get a load of this. <sighs> What am I going to do with $17? I'm God. <clears throat> he doesn't do that. He says, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving me this. I know it came from your heart. I know that this was a sacrifice for you. And you know what? I receive it. And I not only do I receive it, but check this out, y'all. I love it. I love it. He's not looking for the receipt. Even though he doesn't need it, he loves what we give him. He loves our worship. He loves our tithes. He loves when we serve with our giftings and our time. He loves if you're serving on the parking team or in the nursery or in children's ministry or you're with hospitality at a memorial service or whatever it might be. As we give unto God, he 
loves it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says in verse 12, when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. I love that. Here Herod is plotting and scheming and freaking out and worrying and he's disturbed. And God just tells him in a dream, hey, don't go that way. Oh, okay. Problem solved. Like, yes, this guy's mad, but I got it. You just go around this way and then Jesus is going to grow up. It's going to be fine. I'll go to Egypt for a little bit. He's going to die. Herod, that is. He'll come back. It'll be good. Like that, that's it. That's God's response, y'all. We freak out. We freak out, especially with our kids in this world. And God's saying, it's okay. Just go that way. Just take a little detour. I was going to make a Neptune Beach detour joke there, but I'm not. <sighs> Being good. I love our community. Follow the detour signs in Jesus' name. We'll have the band come back up. And, um, but as they do, I want to consider real quick. There's three responses to Jesus in this story being born. There's three responses to him being on earth in this world. And the first one is King Herod. And his response is kill Jesus. He hated Jesus. He was threatened by Jesus. Everything about Jesus being on earth, you know what it was? It was about him. And how does this affect me? How does this affect my power and my money and all those things? And when you, and when you look in the Bible, and really when you look today in the world that we live in, the people that are truly against Jesus, that is the root of it all. This affects me. The Pharisees killed Jesus because it affected them. King Herod hated Jesus because it affected him. So that is a very real and clear response to Jesus. The second one, and this is the one I want to go back to that I mentioned earlier back in verse 4 of Matthew chapter 2. It's, it's the leading priests and the teachers. And this is the one that is really profound that we, we really can gloss over. I want to think about this for a second. These wise men show up on the scene and they're asking where this king of the Jews is to be worshipped. And, and Herod asked these, these teachers and these priests, where does where the Old Testament say he's to be born? And they know exactly, they know exactly where it is. And you know what they do? nothing. They stay right where they are at. These wise men show up and say, hey, there's a star and it's leading us to to the king of the Jews. And where is it going? Oh, Bethlehem. Okay. And the the star continues to go to Bethlehem. And these, these, these teachers and these priests, they know it. They know the word. And it never dawns on them to say, hey, wait a second. Maybe it's happening. Let's go follow these guys and check it out for ourselves. You see, they know of the savior but not enough to do anything about it. They're content right where they're at, knowing about Jesus, but they never actually want to know Jesus. And as you go throughout this week, I want you to continue to pray for Friday night because I think there's gonna be a lot of those type of people in this room and not just here, but all over the world in churches that know about Jesus They've been to the Christmas Eve service before. They've been to Easter before. They drive and pass a million churches on their way to work, whatever. But they don't know Jesus. I want us to join in prayer this week that those people would go from being the teachers and the priests in this story to being the wise men. 
Because the wise men, the third response is they sought after him. They saw the star and it was moving after Jesus. And here's here's the thing, y'all. And this might apply to some of us in here. They got to the house of the Lord when the stars stopped. And they were filled with joy because they knew that they could step right in. They were invited into the room. But so many of us, we get to the door and because of whatever decision or decisions we made, yesterday or the week or prior to that, we feel like we've been disqualified from going into the house of the Lord. So rather than being filled with joy, we're filled with guilt and shame and we don't go in. These wise men, they are filled with joy because they know that they can go into the house and they can worship him. Listen, here at Beaches Chapel, our mission statement is this. So we are a home for all to begin and grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're all in the same boat, y'all. None of us deserve to go into that home, into that house of the Lord, to take that step through the doorway based on our own merit and our own doing. But, But what we know here is that it's not about our own doing. It's that Jesus took care of it on the cross with all the authority that was given to him, even as a little baby, was given to him. He chose death. He chose death. It might have come after him, but he chose it. And he died for us so that in those moments where we're at the door, we can say, I'm going in. And we can kneel at the feet of our Lord and our maker. And we can worship him because we are invited in through the death of Jesus. That's any of us this morning. If you've been standing at the doorway and you just can't take that step, maybe, maybe you've gone backwards with your walk with the Lord. Maybe it's been hard and you've, 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 you've lost it. You've lost that first love of Jesus. Now's the time to take the step. If you've never received him, you never have, now's the time. But please know that if you're that second group, and those teachers that knew about Jesus and just stood still, that's not enough. Knowing about Jesus does not get you into heaven. Knowing Jesus gets you into heaven. Knowing that he loves you. Knowing that he died for you. Knowing that your sins were nailed to the cross and you are not that person anymore. But just hearing about him, just knowing the scripture isn't enough. And I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't tell you that. It's not enough. There's so much more. There's so much more. So don't listen to the stories and sit still. Hear the word of the Lord and go after him. There's more. And you are welcome in his house. So let's stand let's worship this morning as I I close in prayer. Father, I pray Jesus right now. I pray, Father, right now for, for, for those two groups especially, those that know of Jesus but are just standing still. God, if there's anyone that's going to be coming in on Friday night into our Christmas Eve service, God, I pray that you would wreck them to their core, that you would bust through any wall that has been built around their heart. Father, I pray specifically for those that are going to be here 
who have been hurt by the church. And the reason that they don't receive you is because of those hurts. God, we just ask that you would forgive us, forgive the church for those people. And you would soften their hearts, God. And that they would be ready to not just hear about Jesus, but seek after him. Pursue you, God. Ready their hearts even now, Lord, and wreck them for all of eternity, Jesus. God, I pray that when we gather again the following Sunday, and the Sunday after that, that, that we're not going we're not gonna call them priesters or anything like that. They're gonna be part of this place. God, and I pray for every other church that's having Christmas Eve services that are gonna be experiencing the same thing. Lord, that they would have testimonies of those that turn their life over to Jesus those nights as well. Anoint every church service on planet Earth on December 24th, Lord, and let your kingdom grow. And God, for all of us, Lord Jesus, when we get to the doorway to the house of God, let us not hesitate to take a step in. Let us not hesitate for a second, God. Let us not walk in fear, Lord, because what we what we learned today, what we are reminded of today, is that from the word go, even as a baby, you had full authority on this earth. And you said, I'm in charge now. And evil was disturbed, even as a baby. So we don't need to walk in fear, whether it's over ourselves or our children, our family, whatever it might be, over our finances, God, over our health in Jesus' name. Father, we give it to you. We give it to the Most High God who has full authority over everything. Lord, your word says that your feet rest on the earth like a footstool. Everything is under your power. So we give it to you and we say we are sorry for walking in fear when we serve a God who is never afraid. We worship you now, Father. God, I just speak right now again over Friday night, God, for signs and miracles and wonders. God, as we preach the truth of the gospel, when we sing of your goodness, let your Holy Spirit run rampant in this place. Signs, miracles, and wonders over our family members, and over our friends, and over ourselves, Lord. Signs, miracles, and wonders. In Jesus' name, let's worship.